Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, April 6, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 287, an event that I am very excited for, and... Yeah, I mean, the whole main card is great. A lot of the prelims are interesting. I am jacked up for this card. I am fired up for it. I was excited for 286. 285 is is kind of in a league of its own. I think everybody had some sort of fascination with that card, especially with John Jones coming back. But I, I had good vibes about 286. I have tremendous vibes about 287. I am extremely jacked up to head to New York for the watch party on Saturday. And I got to check out some of the graphics and I got to see the cold open for the watch party for the first time yesterday. Wow. It lived up to the hype that I am providing. So maybe I'll drop a teaser tomorrow on my Twitter feed, maybe my IG. Um, but it's friggin' awesome. It's going to be a very festive time. We had media day yesterday. Some interesting comments from Israel Adesanya, from Alex Pereira, from Gilbert Burns, Jorge Mazdal, everybody on the card. Raul Rosas Jr. had a lot to say. It's uh, apparently Kevin Holland and Jorge Mazdal almost got into it. No punches thrown or anything like that. Nothing major happened, but apparently there's some, some beef there. It's a, it's a fight card that's just going to continuously build to Saturday, and I'm very excited about that. BTL today. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different on BTL today. 
Uh, Jed is traveling today, so he will not be on. So I have tagged in the incomparable New York Rick. And what we're going to do is for the entire show, we're just going to take your questions. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to do a, a fan Q&A edition of BTL. You will all provide the topics. We will discuss them. And then we're just going to keep going on and on. That's what we're going to do. We're going to mix things up nice and relaxed. It's been a busy several days for your boy, Mike, putting this feature together that dropped this morning. If you guys haven't seen it, highly recommend you go check it out. It's about the pretty awful ending to the Fury FC 76 main event a couple of weeks ago where... Edgar Chires slapped on a triangle on Gianni Vasquez. Gianni Vasquez clearly went to sleep. Referee's looking at him right in the face. Doesn't stop the fight. Chires transitions to an arm bar. Vasquez wakes up, then goes out unconscious again, and then wakes back up and ends up tapping out with an arm injury. And it's just, every time I watch that clip, it pisses me off. And that story could not die. I could not allow it to die because uh, most MMA stories, they just, they're talked about for three or four days and they just go away and we talk about the next thing. But this was too goddamn important to just let slide. So uh, I had the opportunity to talk to both fighters. I think both had pretty solid accounts of one another. Uh, Chires gave his side of the story. I thought that was really important. Uh, Gianni Vasquez might be my new favorite fighter in the sport. The fact that he is so level-headed about it and he's not angry and he's just grateful to be alive, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, so I got to talk to those guys, which I really appreciated. Big shout-out to MMA Mania's Adam Guillen for translating for Mr. Chires. Gianni Vasquez was incredible. Um, got to talk to Alex Morona, who is obviously the color commentator. He's been a part of the sport for almost 20 years, fighting, coaching, training, cornering, all that stuff, commentating. He's seen it all and done it all. So it was interesting to get sort of his perspective on things. Got to talk to the promoter about it. Some damning things he had to say about the referee, basically saying that after the fight, he alleges the referee just said, no, he was fine, which I thought was pretty fucked up. And then... Big John McCarthy. He was one of the first people I thought of when this whole situation happened because he's the OG and he trains officials all the time. And I wanted to get his perspective on things as well. So big shout out to all of them. Big shout out to all of you guys who check it out. And if you don't want to read 3,000 plus words, you can listen to the podcast, uh, which is essentially the same thing. But you get to hear the voices. You get to hear some of the clips from the interviews. It's a little more long form because you hear more from – the actual subjects, but yeah, it was wild. And uh, before we get to calls, I don't think a lot of you understand like the feeling that overcomes you the night before a feature like that drops. You don't sleep, and if you do, you don't sleep a lot, and it's all you think about. You just wonder if like people are going to care, are they going to react to it? Um, and I've learned to kind of let some of that weight go that. If people want to read it, want to listen to it, they can. Um, but I was happy with how everything came out. Big shout out to Shaheen Al Shadi for being the tag team partner and 
making things happen. Big shout out to the Vox legal team for clearing everything. And now I feel a hundred pounds lighter now that it's live. And of course the TDLR dropped me a last second statement that I saw this morning. So we had to like kind of rework the write up. I had to rework the podcast and re-upload that before I went live here. So yeah, it's been a it's been a trying time, but I'm happy with the way everything turned out. So, all right, let's go to you guys and see what is on your mind. Tristan was first in line, so we'll begin with him. Hello, Tristan. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this piece because, especially with John McCarthy, I need to understand what's the protocol and why he didn't why the ref didn't follow it. That's what that's, and moving forward what everybody could take learn from this, especially moving forward for fighters, because that is so ridiculous that this ref didn't follow protocol. It's got to be – I know there's a protocol that they have to follow. I need – especially listening – I want to listen from John Ducard because I don't really know what protocol is, how it works. I, I'm Sometimes I'm confused. I get different answers here and there. So, like, this is, this is very important because I need – because what needs to be known and understand is I need clarity here and understand what's going on because this shouldn't be happening. So I can't wait to hear it and listen to details of what is supposed to be done, and especially in that type of situation. So I'm really excited for that. Um, another question I wanted to ask, as far as Izzy's concerned, and, uh, and then, so what happened with Kamara Usman when he got knocked out, um, do, you, do you think Izzy's coming back too quick? I, I really, to, really, to be honest, I really think he should have took, just take the year off, um, have some clarity in his mind, let his mind rest and everything. I mean, some people could do it. They could do that turnaround real quick, six months, and they're good to go. But, I mean, I, I, we've discussed this before as far as, like, we saw what Calvin Cater did and Tyson Chantonier of taking that year off. And we saw, like, after that Max Holloway fight, took the year off, came back, looked incredible against um, Jakaze. So, like um, – and I think Kamar Usman should have done that too. Take the one year off. Like I'll be back in a year. And I think for all fighters, when you're coming from a knockout loss or you're coming getting finished, I think immediately you take the week off and then you immediately go to a neurosurgeon, um, see where you're at as far as your health and everything. Take that mind. Take that one. Take that one year off. Because I, to be honest, I feel every fighter should just only fight twice a year. If, especially maybe maybe when you're coming up, maybe you can take three because you're not because you're so high level and you, you can finish opponents and you're not taking damage. That's fine. But once you start fighting your top five guys, you're getting up there in the rankings. I just feel that if you got finished or you take damage, just take the year off and then you know let your mind rest, meticulously you know look at tape, see what you did wrong. And just had that clarity. I mean, again, Calvin Cater's the poster child. We saw they took the year off, and then he looked incredible. There was just clarity to him when he fought. He was just like, oh, this guy looks better than ever. So uh, just your thoughts on that, and thanks for everything you do, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, John, John McCarthy had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, I don't know if it was, like, exactly protocol-ish. Um, I mean, there's some things he went into, but it was just kind of, like, fascinating insight to – how the referee should have actually saw everything. Um, Use terminology like micros and macros, which I thought was was really fascinating. 
And yeah, John had some, a lot of interesting things to say. I talked to John for almost a half an hour. I, I was, I'm actually pondering just like releasing that conversation, like as its own thing, um, maybe tie it on to the podcast version of one of these shows. Cause it's just really interesting stuff. As far as the Adesanya stuff, I mean, look, nobody knows better than the fighters and the team. And Eugene Berriman doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be like, you know, if, if he feels like Adesanya is coming back too soon, he doesn't seem like the guy that's going to be like, well, if you feel like you're ready, like, go ahead. Just doesn't really strike me as that kind of coach. And let's not forget, when Pereira knocked Dizzy out in 2017, which is a far more brutal knockout than UFC 281, a lot of people didn't even feel like, that fight should have been stopped in that moment. Yeah, he took some damage, took some hard punches. Personally, I didn't have a problem with the stoppage, but it's not like he got deaded. You know what I mean? He took some big punches. Had that fight continued on, maybe it could have gotten worse. Who knows? But in 2017, Prayer knocked him dead. And then four months later, he came back and he made his, I think it was his MMA debut. No, it wasn't his MMA debut, but he fought in MMA and hasn't looked back since. Made the transition, got a first-round knockout in his next two fights, then signed with the UFC, and looks like he got back. And I, I, I'm trying to credit – I want to credit, like, who said this. I forget who it was. Somebody said it, and I heard it, and I was like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Maybe it was New York Rick. Kickboxers are different, man. They're just different. Or maybe, maybe it was Michael Chiesa who said this. Kickboxers are just different. Like, they fight all the time. They know what it's like to get knocked out and all of that. And, again, this wasn't, like, a scary knockout. It's not like he got punched a thousand times. It's not like he got hit 500 times like Calvin Cater did. So, yeah, I'm not surprised coming back. I mean, I guess we'll find out the answer if he's really timid. and Because you can tell Usman was a little bit timid when he fought Leon Edwards the second time. But... Guess we'll get our answer on Saturday. I can't wait for that freaking fight. Golly. So interested in it. Four Quarter Sports, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, from Adesanya's history, we've, we've always seen him fight um, quick turnarounds. I mean, when he fought Whitaker to the Cannoneer, same time frame, about four months. So it's not really surprising on uh, Adesanya coming back. I mean, it's what, a four or five month span since he lost to... Um, Pereira, and it's not like he got deaded. I felt like Usman should have taken the year off. Adesanya, it's not surprising that he's coming back. And it's actually good because, you know what, the UFC, you know, needs people like him. He's a star, you know, or a superstar. And it's good to have him at the top of the card. Now, the card is pretty stacked. I know the UFC always says that about every single pay-per-view, which is inaccurate. But for this one, it is um, Adrian Yanez versus Rob Font. Now, this is Rob's first fight, I believe. Since the Cheeto loss, if I'm not mistaken, um, like uh, Mike, from what you know, um, how do you think Rob's gonna be able to respond back um, from the, the huge layoff, knowing how uh, Tyson Chartier likes to prepare his fighters, and Adrian Yanez? Um, this is a big step up in competition from all the other fighters that he has had. I know he's fought his Davy Grants, his uh, Randy Costas in the world. So I want to know. Could Adrian Yanez be able to hang? It's a big step up. I know if he gets the W, he is going to be squeezing in inside top six, top five territory. And uh, uh, Kevin Holland versus, uh, what's it called, Jorge Mazo. 
Um, any idea what was the reason behind the the reason why they don't like each other? And uh, could you see them having a fight down the line? If uh, Maslow does win and Colby Covington has to take the title shot and Maslow's on the sidelines. Um, I mean, I don't really know the exact sort of genesis of the rivalry, but I'm sure Holland said something at some point about Masvidal, like, wouldn't surprise me. And Masvidal probably heard it, and maybe Masvidal said something back. I don't know. And then they just ran into each other and talked a bunch of smack. So, I, I don't know. Could it be a fight we see down the road? Sure. Like, if Masvidal loses and wants to keep fighting, and Holland wins or loses, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if Masvidal loses and wants to keep going, Holland makes sense, whether he beats Ponsonabio or not. So that could be a fight we could do. Could happen. Again, that's planting seeds. Either way, Mazadal has his next fight lined up. No matter, like, he's either going to fight for the belt or he's going to wait and see what happens with that title fight if they go with Colby or he loses and he could fight Kevin Holland in a, in a fight that people are going to care about. You know what I mean? But Mazadal has been teasing, like, it's do or die for him. And who the hell knows if that's really the case? I don't know. As far as Font and Giannis goes... Can Giannis hang? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's favored. The betting community certainly seems to think he can. Uh, I think there is value on Rob Font as a plus-155 underdog for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. I just, like, Giannis is really good, and he's got a very bright future in this division. But Rob Font has just fought a murderer's row of competition, and Giannis just hasn't. Like, Davy Grant is... The, probably the biggest test he's had. And that was a close fight. That was a really close fight. He took some punishment in that fight. Davey cracked him a bunch. So I think there's value at Fawn, on Fawn at plus 155. I don't know what my official prediction is going to be. Um, but it's a good fight. I mean, if Giannis can go in there and finish Rob, holy crap. Like, they're really going to strap the rock to him. And I think if he just wins, they're going to – they're going to push him like crazy. That's why he's getting this fight to begin with. So I, I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see it. But I'm, I'm curious to see what Rob's game plan is going to be. I would not be surprised if Rob wrestles in this fight. I'm not going to – he ain't going to be Marab. He's not going to sit there and shoot 58,000 takedowns. But it would not surprise me if things get a little hairy. Rob uses his boxing to set up a takedown or two. Could be a pretty smart move. And I can't wait to see how this all plays out. It's going to be a fun fight. It's a big one. And it's, it's, it's not like a win-win for Giannis. Like, if Giannis is competitive and loses a close decision, like, it's not going to hurt him at all. And even if Giannis loses, like, a 29-28, like, clear decision, it stings, but it's not going to really hurt him. But if he wins, I mean, the risk-reward for Giannis is, is gigantic. I don't know if it's – I don't think it's the same for Rob. We have to keep one thing in mind too. Yes, this is – and I know this doesn't necessarily equate to fighting, but I can tell you as somebody who has experienced this myself, Rob Font, this is his first fight since becoming a dad. He is a father now. He's got his baby out in Miami. It creates a whole new energy and motivation when you see that child and Rob is now fighting for the first time as a dad and that does something to you mentally, puts you in a whole different place. 
even today, like I have a nine-year-old, it'll be 10 in a little over a week. Just seeing him every day fires me the hell up. So I know Yana's is a dad too. So two dads, two, two nice dads just fighting. It's good stuff. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, we'll go to Abzwalia, then we'll go to Ani, and then Mikey is in the hole. Abzwalia, hello. What's uh, up, buddy? So, um, you know, i just got two things to speak on. My first thing is, you know, with... Um, June and July upcoming, we ha- we still haven't got any fight news regarding like the fight night and PPV events. Um, what's happening with that? Are we? Is there a possible chance? You know, the June card could get cancelled. Will there be a title fight on the line? Uh, what's up with that? And just regarding the Adesanya fight, um, in my opinion, how I see this fight playing out is he, po- you know, Israel probably will go very aggressive in the first two rounds. He might even take it to the floor. We saw how he took um, Pereira down in the third round, the last fight. But there's also a good chance Alex Pereira might surprise us with his takedown defense. Even though, you know, he's at a stage where it's really hard for fighters to develop that kind of skill. Let me know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I honestly, and I've talked about this before, and, and Mikey talked about this with me the last time he was on. I really think Adesan needs to be aggressive here. I really do. Is, is he flirting with some danger? Certainly. No doubt about it. But I honestly think that's his best chance to win this fight. Sure, he can go in there and be patient and get takedowns and stuff, but he just did that in the last fight. He let Pereira hang around too long. And we know what happens when you let a guy like that hang around for too long. It's a nice little weapon that Adesanya has that he can wrestle if he wants to, and I think he'll have success should he choose to do that. But again, unless he can advance position and mount him and just start unloading shots. I don't know like what that's going to do other than just give Pereira something to think about. Pereira doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be distracted by getting put on his back once or twice. He's just got to get up. The next round's going to begin and he's going to look to take Adesanya's head off. So I really think Adesanya needs to go after him here, not be reckless, but aggressive and whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Like, you got to try to, you can't go in there and try to outpoint Pereira for 25 minutes because you're going to lose. It's not going to go well. But if you go in there and you just lay it all on the line, you could get him out of there. It is possible. We've seen him hurt him. That first round had 15 more seconds. We're talking about Israel Adesanya knocking out Alex Pereira in the first round. That's what we're talking about right now. We're not even talking about these guys fighting right now. But that didn't happen. The game plan sort of changed from there. And we saw the result. So I think he's got to go after him a little bit more and just kind of, I'm not saying get or get got, but whatever the two notches below that is. And if you go out on your shield, go on your shield. But if you get him out of there, I mean, 
it's massive. I, I honestly think stylistically it's his best chance to win. But he's got to go out there and be aggressive. He's got to treat this like the Paulo Costa fight. He's got to take it personal and get pissed. Not reckless, but aggressive. And I think he's got a chance to win. Like a pretty damn good chance to win that fight. As far as June, July goes, I don't think they could cancel the June card. They'll throw something on there. It's shaping up, whether it's in Canada or not. Um, I know there's reports, Michelle Pereira versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to happen on that card. What's the golden rule, my friends? What is the golden rule? If it ain't on MMA fighting, it ain't done. It ain't done. And that's why it is not on MMAfighting.com. Believe me, I saw the initial report on Saturday. It was April Fool's, didn't know what to believe, reached out to people, was told, no, it's not done. It's not even – I was told on Saturday it wasn't even being discussed from one side of the table. But there is momentum towards making that fight happen. Uh, it's just not done yet. There are some logistical issues involved from what I am told. Um, do I think – Do I th is this the fight the UFC wants to put together for June 10th? Yes. Is it done? No. Is it verbally agreed on all sides? No. But I think it will happen. It's just not – it's not there yet. It's not there yet, my friends. And then, you know, we talked about this last week. I don't know what's going to headline it. I have no friggin' idea. No clue. But, I mean, you kind of just might have to trot Amanda Nunes out there at this point because, I, I mean, all the other champions are – unless Zhang Wei Li wants to fight in June. But, I mean, we're already in April, so we're less – we're like two months away from this card and we have no main event. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll do Colby and, and, and Leon there. I don't know. Which I'll address that in a moment. Ani, hello. Hello, Mike. Uh, it's good to talk to you again. How have you been? I've been great. Yes. Um, like I said, with Wonderboy and Michelle Pereira, I told you with process of elimination, I already called it. I mean, not saying I'm taking the credit for it, but you know what I mean. The same thing, the process of elimination method was was how I call Anthony Smith versus Johnny Walker as well. I'm not bragging, but maybe I'm bragging a little bit. But it is what it is. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, I actually wanted to um, also uh, congratulations and really well done on your new feature. I hope it stays around uh, as in you make more such features. I know it's a lot of work for you, but if you enjoy doing it and if you're passionate doing it, I'm pretty sure you would enjoy bringing out such content, isn't it? Um, yes, with regards to, you know, uh, how Kamaru Usman lost his title and how Israel lost his middleweight title. As in, I think they're two different things. Like Usman was touched, as in Usman was knocked out cold, cold as a block of ice. He was out. But Israel, I think he was on the way to a potential TKO, but I mean, uh, losing in a potential TKO, of course, but I don't think Israel should have taken an extended period of time off. As in, I think he last fought in November, and I think July would have been a better time frame than, uh, what are we in April right now? Man, I'm losing track of time. That's what happens when you do a research degree. Sorry about that. Uh, so 
I think he should have maybe fought in international fight week, but you know, I don't think he actually took a lot of damage in that fight. As in, the only shot that Pereira land and that landed flush was, you know, the final TKOing shot and maybe a head kick here and there. I guess I think there was a head kick which landed flush. Um, not a lot of damage that Israel took. Um, yeah, so. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, so my question and what I wanted to say is, you know, when we when you said that Usman didn't look like himself, like Usman looked a little timid or Usman looked a little slow, um, I don't think that is particularly true. I just think Leon looked so much better, you know, because in the previous fights, um, in, in the previous fight, the altitude actually did play a play a role in Leon slowing down and Usman kept pressing forward. It was not like a drastic change that we've seen in like in the likes of Tony Ferguson or Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley just became very, 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 very tentative since UFC 235. Uh, Usman was still throwing. He was still shooting takedowns. It's just that he could not uh, find a lot of success. Um, so I'm not sure if Usman declined or is it just our mindset that we assume that he's declined? Because if you think about Gilbert Burns and Wonderboy Thompson, Stephen Thompson did not look like himself. Like he couldn't do anything. But look uh, look at the way he performed against Kevin Holland. You know, um, I think it's more on Gilbert Burns' side and not on Usman's. Uh, and Gilbert Burns and, uh, you know, the... The person who won, it's on his side that he made the opponent look bad. I don't think it's Usman's decline. He is declining, but not completely declined, if you know what I mean. And um, the question related to UFC 287 that I have is, I mean, if 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 I had the ch- if I had the opportunity to speak to Israel, I would have asked him this. So do think about it. So you know. Where do you think Israel needs to do more work in order to win this fight? Do you think he has to work on that hole in his game, which or that the technical flaw in his game um, that somehow uh, Pereira keeps finding, or is it more on his mental part of the game, as in where he has to, you know, sort of f- forget the fact that he has been winning the fight because eventually he lost. He shouldn't dwell on the past. He just has to sort of tune his mind to move on and actually uh, look look at the fight as it comes. As in, the thing is, especially when, he, when Israel is training, where do you think he gets the motivation? Like, as in when he fills up the technical flaw, does his mental health improve? Or when I say mental health, his, you know, EQ improve? Or is it on the other side? Does he have to work mentally first to gain the technical uh, prowess, if, if that makes sense? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, man. I think he's like, I don't think there's a mental thing there. I just think he's got to get aggressive, like honestly. And this has been an issue. Like this is, people have had an issue with Israel's performances for, for, for a few fights now. He was a lot more, he was a bit more fun in the Pereira fight. Because Pereira brings that out of him. But, like, the Whitaker fight wasn't... A lot of people didn't love that. People hated the Cannoneer performance because he was just... I don't blame him for that. Like, I don't necessarily blame him for that. 
I mean, Jared Cannonier is like, I'm going to try to wrestle and take him down a bunch and get aggressive and try to knock his ass out. And he didn't. He decided to have a point kickboxing match with Israel Adesanya, which was a terrible idea, which everyone's like, well, as long as Cannonier doesn't do a point kickboxing match with Adesanya, he might have a chance to win this fight. And what does he do? He goes out and has a point kickboxing match. And Israel Adesanya is like, okay, you're just going to hand me this fight? All right, I'll take it. So, I don't know. And maybe Izzy's just kind of gotten that mindset where I could just outpoint and outclass everybody. But when you're dealing with somebody as dangerous as Alex Pereira is, big, powerful, strong, all that, you can't do that. Like, you cannot let this guy hang around. And that's the biggest flaw in his game right now, in my opinion. But we've seen signs that Adesanya can bring out that anger and that aggressive side. We saw it in the Paulo Costa fight. Pitched a freaking perfect game in that one. I don't care what, what excuses Paulo had about drinking too much wine and all that shit. Wouldn't have mattered. Paulo could have drank 18 gallons of secret juice and he would have got blasted out that night. That's just how that fight would have gone no matter what Paulo Costa drank in his hotel room the night before. He could have done it. He could have had anything. And it would not have mattered. If that guy shows up. He's got a good chance to win. I'm picking Izzy to win. I've made my choice. I'm picking Izzy to win. I think he gets it done. Because I just feel like there's just, I just don't see a world where any, any human being, unless I see it on Saturday, I just don't see a world where one guy can beat Israel Adesanya four fucking times in a row. Like he's due. He's due to win one. So I'm picking him. I think he gets him out of there. And I think we're going to see them fight again. And I'm going to be even more fascinated to see it again. But I, who the hell knows? I don't know. I have no idea. As far as like the, the Usman thing, yeah, he is declining. He is declining. But it, it's the same way Woodley declined. Not as, it's not as dire and not as drastic. No, no way. Usman can still compete. Usman's still a top three to five welterweight in the world right now. No doubt about it. He beats a lot of guys. I would pick him. If they book him and Bilal Muhammad, I would pick Usman to win that fight. So Usman can still hang. He's just not the best welterweight in the world anymore. He's not the best fighter on the planet anymore. People get old. And Usman has credit to that guy. With all the injuries that guy has had, he basically has no knees to be able to do what he has done over all this time. And that the decline didn't start... And maybe it did kind of start sooner. But the fact that he was able to withstand it all and win a bunch of fights is pretty damn impressive. It's pretty damn impressive. He's a freak. He's a freak of nature. He is. But father time beats everybody. And sometimes a stylistic matchup will favor you. Look at Wonderboy. I thought that was a great stylistic matchup for Wonderboy because I just didn't think Holland was going to shoot a bunch of takedowns on him. And plus, Wonderboy's a pretty decent defensive wrestler, unless you are like a grade A inside tripper like Gilbert Burns is. But, I mean, there, there's so many stylistic differences. The other thing I wanted to mention, there were reports that came out about Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington uh, in that London card. Again, golden rule, my friends. Golden rule. Uh, we got more people. Let's continue on with the party. Mikey, hello. Um, just want to get some quick thoughts off. It's it's kind of funny how 
MMA fans, myself included, don't admit that oftentimes we use the word stacked based on just our emotions. Like, listen, 287 isn't really that stacked. We just like a lot of people on the card. You know, because if it was really stacked, as much as I defend Raul Rosas being on the main card, he wouldn't be on the main card if this was a genuinely stacked card. You know what I mean? I don't agree with that, but go ahead. Well, you don't think? I mean, well, listen, I listen. I get that the UFC probably would have put him on there even if there were, like, bigger, bigger names on there because they're clearly trying to push him, which I 100% agree with. But I think this was also one of those times where we were like, oh, if we can put him on any main card, it would be on this. You know, it's a good – me and you are on the same page. It's, it, it's good to put him on the main card either way. You know, like, I like Chris Curtis. I've met him a couple of times, but he's but – he, but he knows why that kid's on the main card over him. You know what I mean? So – and as for Israel and and Alex, I think it's one of those tough things that I think people just the absolutism sometimes in MMA goes like, well, he won, so he's so he's technically better. I'm like, I still think Israel Adesanya is the technically better fighter. He was winning their last fight until until the stoppage. And I think sometimes we just things have to be what they are. It's like I think Izzy the better technical fighter. It's just that Pereira hits really really hard <laughs> you know it's one of those things where i just look at them and i go i think izzy has more overall better skills but it's just the other guy is blessed with being able to like you know his bones are denser or whatever the fuck sorry i shouldn't have but you know what i mean and that's sometimes that's what it is and that's what will always be the intrigue of this fight it's like how can izzy avoid getting cracked <laughs> you know um and as for just want to kick end this on the pro wrestling note i want to get your thoughts on i don't know if i asked you this the last time but the finish of cody and roman before you knew vince was back with his hands back in the pot what did you think of the finish and two what are your thoughts about all in at Wembley stadium and if i know it's four months out book the main event all right thanks guys be kind to one another talk to you later sheesh book the main event Man, I don't know. So, yeah, I guess we'll talk about this. The Cody finish, I don't think Vince had anything to do with the Cody finish. I think this is the plan all along. Um, I, I don't know why. I just, I just, it felt like Cody should have gone over, like, have that moment. Or if you're going to, like, if you're going to do that, like, end night one with that, and then end night two with, Sammy and Kevin and KO winning the tag titles, like at least send the fans home happy to close it. But this is an ongoing, like if you go back and just like watch everything, this whole story since Cody Rhodes came back, he's gonna, he's got to go through what his dad went through. He's got to go through that. He's got to go through the hard times. Now he's going to wrestle Brock and Brock might just kill him. And then the story continues on with Cody like building himself back up and building himself back up. And then eventually when he does win the title, and he will, uh, it'll just be a much bigger moment. I know it just felt like everything was going to end that way, but – and it was – it kind of went over like – just did not go over well. <laughs> but um, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it all plays out. I feel like with wet, I – at first, when I, I saw this announcement from Tony Khan, and I knew they were going to London. So when he said, like, we're going to London on the state, I was like, ugh. Another, I waited around all night for, for this ridiculous announcement that I already knew was going to kind of come. 
And then he dropped the Wembley line, and I was like, ooh, okay. So my first thought was I kind of have Game Bread Boxing 4 vibes where it's just like this might just be a little too much too soon here to try to fill Wembley Stadium. And then I realized they got to know something. They got to know something big that we don't know. So if I'm going to try to put myself in Tony Khan's shoes, and this is very tough to do, they got CM Punk getting ready to come back. That's what I'm thinking. And we do something big there. Either you do CM Punk and I don't even I didn't even watch Dynamite last night. Like I watched some of it. I watched up until the announcement. So let me just look real quick. Um I don't even know what happened in the last match. Did FTR lose? Did FTR lose? If FTR won, let me just look real quick. Uh, okay, FTR won. Okay. My my prediction for that card, if they're going to fill Wembley freaking stadium, it's going to be CM Punk and FTR versus the Bucks and Kenny Omega. Otherwise, I don't know if you're going to fill it. I mean, I love him. I love me MG, some MJF. He's the man. He's the best in the business, in my opinion, right now. But I just don't know, like, what's available for MJF that's going to sell out Wembley Stadium. I think CM Punk's coming back. I have no insight to this. But if they're going to book Wembley Stadium, he better be coming back. And I know there's a passionate fan base there. They just, I don't know if their passion is there for, for the AEW product as it stands. So that's my guess. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to AA. We'll go to Brian. We'll go to Poppy. We'll go to CV. We'll get all of you in. AA, hello. How you doing? Good. So um, I've got I've got uh, two questions. The first one is um, Kevin Holland said in his media day that he was um, offered Michael Chiesa. I wonder if there's any truth to that statement. And the second one, um, what uh, I'm sorry if you've been asked this already, but watch your fight of the night on uh, 287. That's all I've got, everyone. You're awesome. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day and peace. Was Kevin Holland offered Michael Chiesa? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Kevin doesn't just throw stuff out there. It would seem like kind of a random name to just chuck out there. So um, so I, I guess I'll believe him there. Fight of the night is going to be the main event. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it's the main event because I think Izzy's going to be aggressive and I think they're going to beat the shit out of each other until somebody falls down. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be – I like the 281 fight. I went back and rewatched it the other day. It was a good one. Um, I learned a little bit more rewatching it for like the third or fourth time. 
lot of leg kicks. The Pereira leg kicks were nasty in that first fight. And Izzy's got a poker face and a half. And that is a skill that doesn't get enough credit in this sport. Is when you could take a shot and like just show like it doesn't bother you. But those leg kicks were, were, were bugging him a little bit, even though he sold it really well. So, yeah, I'm going with the main event. I think they're just going to – I think they're going to get after it. I think all the fights are compelling in their own ways. You can make a case for almost all of them. Uh, probably not the well, – Rosa Jr., Christian Rodriguez could be a lot of fun because Christian can grapple. And Rosa just has one speed, and I'm sure Christian is well aware of that. So, I mean, that could just be like an absolute chaos scramble fest. Or Rosa just kills them. Here's the thing about Raul Rosa Jr. The UFC matchmakers, we've talked about on the show a lot, they know what they are doing when they are trying to build talent. They don't get it right all the time, but they get it right most of the time. When they have an idea of what we're going to do with a certain fighter, if we're going to push him, they know what they're doing. And as much as I like Christian Rodriguez, and I think he's a fun fighter, there's a reason this fight's happening on this card. Those matchmakers see something, see, they, they see something that maybe not a lot of other people are seeing. So it's a big spot for him. He's 18 years old, but I thought 279 might be a big spot for him, and he killed it. So, yeah. But to me, main event will be the fight of the night. Let's go to Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. A uh, couple things I want to touch on. First, um, I don't know what that one guy's talking about personally. I think this card is absolutely amazing. It kind of hits all the points you want as a fan. You have your fun bantamweight fight with Giannis and Font, of course. Fun up-and-comers. Great main event. Um, but I really want to touch on uh, the main event. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about Pereira like um, an Nganu type almost of like a slugger. Not a slugger in that sense, but a powerful um, KO puncher. And I really think that's not the biggest thing with prayer. I think the thing that makes this matchup so good for prayer is that the, the length and his size, I don't think people are talking about that enough. Anytime Izzy's really faced anybody close to his height or close to his reach, he hasn't been able to use those tools that he usually does, like his leans, um, kind of like fading back, uh, ripping the inside leg kick. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference, and that's why I don't think he can really get past Pereira, in my opinion. I think it's that size. So I just wanted your opinion about that. And then who do you think is the biggest live dog on the card? Um, I think this card's full of them, but I think Ponzinibbio is – is such a good matchup, in my opinion, with Kevin Holland. Just his way to be able to get inside, use his boxing really well, not really make Kevin um, use his length. So I'm just curious on that. Uh, really excited for this weekend. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, look, with the first point, you might be right. You might be right. But I don't know. Adesanya has won. I mean, Adesanya has, was winning every single fight until he didn't. Uh, and I thought he won the first kickboxing match. He was winning. He was winning clearly the second one until he got knocked dead, and then he was clearly winning. And he's clearly winning the the MMA fight until he got. He just let Pereira hang around too long. So yeah, maybe I don't know. But it, it, an aggressive Izzy is what I want to see. I'm curious to see how that fight goes. I I get where Mikey's coming from. Like the main card is great. Like this is a great main card. But as a whole, like this lineup, like it's a good card. Like top to bottom, it's a it's a solid card. The main card is excellent. But the rest of it's like, eh. I mean, it's fine. We've had better pay-per-view offerings than this. For sure. 
But this is good. This is good. Main card's excellent. Main card is excellent. Live dog. I've talked about this before. The biggest like I like I like Ponzinibbio plus two hundred five. Uh, I like that. I think Font's a live dog. I think there's a lot of live dogs on this card. I think Waterson Gomez is a live dog. Uh, I think Gerald Mearshart's a live dog. For being honest, but to me, the biggest live dog on the card is Jorge Masvidal. Only mostly because of the of the value on him. He's plus three sixty right now. What you're saying is that Gilbert Burns is eighty percent better than Jorge Masvidal, and I just don't think that's the case. I just don't. I don't think Masvidal gets enough credit for his defensive grappling. Burns is a good striker, but he ain't Masvidal. And Burns isn't a wrestler. Like he's not going to sit there and again, he's not going to shoot a bunch of takedowns. And if Masvidal gets taken down, he's gonna he's very good at getting back up and defending submissions. Like he's good at that stuff. Defending takedowns for 25 minutes is not his strong suit, but Burns isn't that kind of fighter. So I just don't think Burns is like I don't think there's gonna be a ton of takedowns in this fight. I think this fight will hit the mat at some point. But I think I don't I don't and I think it'll be kind of early when it does happen. Which means, in my opinion, I think a lot of this fight plays out on the feet. And if you're telling me that Gilbert Burns is 80% better at striking than Jorge Masvidal, that just isn't true. Burns could win a striking matchup with Masvidal, I think. I think he's very smart. He's very wise. He's got great coaches and corners. He's good at that stuff. Could he win a striking matchup with Masvidal? Certainly. But could Masvidal win a striking matchup with Gilbert Burns? Absolutely. So... Mazadal is a very live dog, in my opinion, mostly because of the value. I mean, he's just not plus 360. It's just, it's just, it's this line way too widely for me. You have Mazadal like plus 225, plus 250, leave it alone. But plus 360, I just, he ain't 80% better. I don't think he is. I don't think Mazadal gets enough credit for how defensively sound he is. So. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 uh, there's a few dogs on here that that are interesting, but I think I think Mazadal is a pretty smart betting play. I wouldn't go crazy on it, but I think Mazadal is a pretty smart betting play. And if you want, if you feel like Mazadal can knock him out, I'm sure the value on that is like through the roof. So I'm excited for that fight. Poppy, hello, Mike Heck. Good morning to you, sir. How have you been? I've been good. How are you? Good, good, man. Um, Loving the coverage on uh, the upcoming pay-per-view. I wanted to switch gears a bit here and ask you about that UFC Charlotte card. I know you're being local, man. Hopefully, we we can see you out there. Um, I'm looking at this card, though, man, and I'm just seeing where it's kind of a bit light. Have you heard anything about uh, potential fights that are going to be added? Uh, we saw where the, the, main, the main event was switched around. So, I guess any news or updates or anything that you can shed on them, man, that'd be great because, I mean, I'm excited I'll be there. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited that we'll have UFC in the in the Carolinas. So, definitely. Thank you. Uh, yes, hell to the yeah. I'm pumped up for that as well. I don't know if I'm going. Hopefully they send me out. Um, I'm working on something. I'm working on some other things in terms of travel. So, I might have to kind of like pick and choose which ones I do and which ones I don't do. 
Um, I mean, I'll just break down the fourth wall. Uh, a couple of things I want to do. Uh, not saying they're happening or anything like that. Um, I would love to do an extra day in Jersey for 288 and maybe do like a fan meetup on Friday. You know, because Jose is obviously going to be out there and like maybe me, GC, and Jose can do a little something, something, hang out. Maybe there's a PFL card or something. We can all just hang out and watch fights together. Um, and then obviously we're doing the watch party and I do want to go out, I do want to go back out for international fight week in Vegas. We'll see if that can be possible, but my plan would be to go out Tuesday, be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday during the day, hop on a red eye Friday night and fly to New York, get there Saturday morning, get some more sleep and do the watch party on Saturday. So, uh, but if they want to send me to Charlotte, you, you bet your ass I'll be there. Let me see what this card looks like right now. So we have 11 fights. Rosenstrike all made is the main event. It's kind of a weird switch up, if we're being honest. I don't know what to think about it. Unless they are just... Unless they are just preparing for a world without John Jones, like they are just preparing for it, and they're just pushing Almeida to the moon, I just don't understand why this move is happening over the Anthony Smith-Johnny Walker fight. I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird one. We got Matt Brown. It's solid. I mean, this is a pretty damn solid card for a fight night. Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker, Matt Brown coming back, Court McGee, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill, D-Rod, Ian Machado, Gary, Tim Means, Alex Morona's going to be fun as hell. Carlos Olberg, Ihor Poteria, happening in Charlotte, North Carolina is kind of a weird one, but Sure. Jessica Rose Clark back against Tainara Lisboa, Gian Kim, Mandy Boehm, Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva de Andrade, Gabe Green, Brian Battle. They'll, they'll add a few more. I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think we're going to get anything crazy, but and the, the, like the top five fights, six fights are really, are pretty damn good. They're pretty damn good. I I think this card is better than the UFC Las Vegas card by a by a long shot. I think it's better. Let me see. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Let me just let me just weigh it against the other. Um. Yeah, this card is better than UFC San Antonio, in my opinion. Like, the main event for UFC San Antonio on paper, we were all jacked up about. But we can't be real on it. Like, if we're being honest with ourselves, we weren't really fired up for the rest of this card. I mean, we were all we, we love watching Nate Landwehr fight, so that checked off some boxes. But this is, like, on paper, is if, if like, if we didn't know what happened at UFC San Antonio, I think the Charlotte card's better. The main card's going to be better. So, I don't think it's too bad. But they'll probably add a few more fights, but... I don't think we're going to get like any ranked guys on there. Uh, let's go to CV and then we'll go to Daniel and then that will probably be it. CV. Hello. Oh, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, my bad for the background noise. Uh, I'm not working from home today, but, uh, but yeah, um, I actually listened to your feature on the way for, uh, to work. Uh, I think you killed it once again. And I think you should release the big John uh, interview. I think it was really cool. Um, yeah, I agreed with your earlier comments about the dad strength for Rob Font and Yana. Uh, I'm not a dad, 
but uh, I could I could uh, definitely agree with that. Like once you become a dad, you get that extra stress, you know, you gotta feed the kids. But um, my question is, um, the Gaslam um, Chris Curtis fight. Uh, what's at stake for Kelvin uh, Gaslam? Is this his last uh, chance at getting a W? And if he does, you think he gets relief? Last chance to get a W. Mm. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Because so if he loses, it'll be six out of seven. There's still value to Calvin Gaslam. He still has a name of some kind. He's would be a very serviceable gatekeeper at 185 pounds. This is a tough fight to call, man. Like, it really is. It's a tough fight to call. This is probably... Outside of maybe the main event, this is the toughest fight for me to call. It really... It, like, it, it's a tough one. I like Chris Curtis a lot. Um... Kelvin has been out for a while, so I don't really know what to expect. But I, again, I just think Kelvin has fought the better competition. He's been in bigger spots. And these are the types of fights that Kelvin does very well in. So I think stylistically, like, I don't know. It's so tough to call. G- Gaslam's line continues to go in his direction a little more. Uh, this is like a pick fight earlier this week. Now the line's kind of swayed in Gaslam's favor a little bit more. So... But if you want a little more insight, uh, go listen to the most recent episode of No Bets Barred uh, with Jed Mishu and, and GC. Uh, Jed has introduced a new little treat for the betting community. Uh, he, they introduced the flyweight unders, which has paid off. Uh, Jed talks about the electric heavyweight overs bet. But now he has introduced a new bet called the Chat GPT bet, where he puts in a certain fight. You can't ask him, like, who's going to win. We have to be kind of sly and cunning about it and chat gbt laid out a scenario of how this fight's going to go and it has kevin gaslam getting a late finish over chris curtis uh chris starts off really well gaslam starts to wrestle and take him down a little bit curtis starts to to wear down slowly but surely and then gaslam gets him out of there in the third round and for those who are kind of sort of challenging the chat gpt bet uh they did it jet jed introduced that for the Trevin Giles, Preston Parsons fight. And Jack GBT said that Preston Parsons was going to submit Trevin Giles in the third round. And good grief, was it close to happening? So just remember that if Calvin Gaslam gets a third round knockout of Chris Curtis, maybe the chat GPT bet will be, will be something to behold. But if he, I mean, if he just gets the absolute doors blown off of him, which I don't think is going to happen in this fight, I think it's going to be really close. Maybe we we reconsider certain things, but I do think Kelvin, even if he loses three in a row and six out of seven, there's still value throwing him there. Like if Joe Pfeiffer like beats Gerald Mearshard and finishes him, like Joe Pfeiffer, Kelvin Gaslam's like a fight the UFC could put together to try to get Joe over a little bit more. So there's value there. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel, you're there. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. 
Sweet. Well, I'll make it quick here. Just got two questions for you. Um, first one, just on the main event. Um, I feel like we've been seeing just a, a, a couple more closer split decisions and stuff lately. Um, even with the Cheeto ver- or the, the Cheeto Sanhang, we don't even you know maybe agree with it. But what do you think? This chances this main event here ends in a split. You know, I think most people might be thinking this could go the distance. I think it might be even closer than the first. So. Yeah, just what do you think this main event ends in a split? And uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up was, what do you make of this GM3 versus uh, Pfeiffer fight? Um, honestly, I'm a pretty big fan of GM3. I've been watching UFC, obviously, for a long time. So GM3 has 17 UFC fights, and he's been an underdog in 13 of them. Um, he's won over 50% of those. He's won seven times out of those 13 times as underdog. Um it just feels like this guy is just like the glorified kind of gatekeeper, you know, facing the guys with the hype. So just think what you think happens in that fight. If you think uh, GM3 wins again as a dog, if you think Pfeiffer gets that KO. Thanks, Mike. I mean, I, I think I think there's value on GM3 as a dog at plus 155. This is one of those fights where this is going to end super quick. And Piper's just going to knock him out in like two minutes. Or if this sees a second round, Mearshart's going to start to take over. And this could become a very middleweighty middleweight fight very quickly. So I like the matchup. Piper can get him out of there, certainly. He's a good striker. We've seen Mearshart get knocked out before. But I think Mearshart's a very smart fighter. Like he understands. He understands the type of opponent he has in front of him. He understands the hype behind him. He understands the tools that he brings to the octagon, understands the punching power that Joe Pfeiffer has. But Beershard has beaten a lot of those guys in the past and has finished them. Did it with Bruno Silva in his last fight. Nobody was giving GM3 a chance in that fight. And he went out there and submitted him in the third round. So Mahmoud Muradov, very good striker. Weathered the storm, submits him. I like I like uh, I like Mearshard at the value. Would it shock me if Pfeiffer knocked him out in the first round? No, but if this fight gets extended, this would be a very interesting live bet. Like maybe not touch it, but if Mearshard if Mearshard gets out of the first round, maybe look at the live odds and see where they're at. GM3 is like a plus 400 or something or higher. Might be worth taking a look at, my friends. I like that fight a lot. Eh, screw it. Let's take some more. Tom, hello. Alex has genetically a better body for weight cuts, etc. Do you think Izzy will try anything smart or anything different with his weight cuts and rehydration thereafter? Mm, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't think he's going to change much on that aspect. I don't think he needs to. I understand the size discrepancy and all that and prayer is like just not a human being. But, yeah, I think he'll probably just do what he did the last time. It worked out for him until it didn't. Uh, Let's get Yusuf in here. Send us home. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, just a quick one. I saw this morning, uh, uh, Israel was answering some questions and then somebody brought up the fact that Eugene Behrman had said to somebody else that uh, he didn't think Israel should have taken this fight and that it was too soon. Uh, and um, Israel looked pretty shocked by it. I don't know if you saw the clip, but I don't know if he was shocked by the fact that Eugene said that or whether it went public, but he seemed very, very annoyed. So I don't know, um, you know, if there's uh, some problems going on in CKP. Obviously, we know Dan Hooker is not doing well uh, with the false allegations and everything like that. So just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks. Yeah, I... Like I said, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm sure there... I think everybody had, like, some trepidation when it came to this. But then Eugene, like, like if Eugene true, like Eugene might have said something like off the bat, like maybe originally I thought this might be too soon. But if if Eugene truly felt that Izzy wasn't ready to go, that he hadn't recovered from the loss and all that stuff, then I think Eugene would really be vocal about it. And I think Izzy looks at Eugene as almost a father figure in a way where he would take his advice, but. Eugene doesn't seem like the type of guy that is just going to be like totally against something and then have his fighter just be like, screw you, dude. You know what I mean? So maybe there's like initial trepidation, but maybe is he convinced him? I don't know. Again, these kickbox like, like, like Michael Chiesa told Ariel, kickboxers are just wired different, man. Like I know is he's been all MMA for the last several years, but. Izzy got, I mean, Izzy got deaded by Pereira in kickboxing in 2017. And then four months later, had an MMA fight and got a knockout. So, like, seems like Izzy can recover. It, and, again, it wasn't like Pereira kicked him in the face and knocked him unconscious in the other fight. Yeah, Izzy took some damage. The flurry was nasty. The more you watch it, the more you think the stoppage isn't as bad as maybe a lot of us initially thought. I didn't have it. I never had an issue with the stoppage. I know some people did. I never had an issue with it. But I understand the the argument back then. Like if you felt like it was too soon, that is, he didn't get enough a chance of a chance to recover. But I think the referee gave him plenty of chances to recover and try to make something happen, and he didn't. So we'll see. I mean, again, we, we'll find out the answer on Saturday. If Izzy goes out and he's just incredibly timid and just isn't feeling it and he's not throwing anything and he's just on the back foot the whole time, then maybe we have our answer, but I just don't think that happens here. I don't think he's going to be the guy going, going backwards. I don't think he can. I don't think he could afford to do that here. So cannot, man, I can't wait to see this fight. I can't wait to see it. All right. We are done. Uh, Thank you very much. TBD. If we're going to do a show tomorrow, I think we're going to, but we also have the UFC 287 weigh-ins going down right around the same time. So what we might do is what we did a couple cards ago when uh, we didn't do a show on Friday, but we just did something cool on Saturday. We just did like a pop-up show, so we might do that. We'll see how it all plays out. I don't really know, but... Uh, I would say we're 50-50 on doing a show tomorrow morning at the usual time. And if we do something, it'll be later on in the day. Or we'll just do something on Saturday to get people all hyped for UFC 287. So thank you very much. We'll be back on BTL. So if you have more questions, uh, we're going to do a Q&A edition of BTL. It's going to be myself, 
New York Rick, just taking your questions and discussing your questions about 287, main event, co-main event, all the fights, uh, the merger, WWE, UFC, Bellator, PFL, Game Bread Boxing, Fight Circus, whatever the hell you want to talk about. Uh, we'll do that for about an hour on the YouTube channel at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. So, again, if you haven't seen it, new feature that I've been teasing is out. It's on MMAfighting.com. It's right in the top spot. Check it out. Give it a read. And if you don't want to give it a read, if you you know you get like a 35-minute drive ahead of you, you can listen to the podcast, which is a different kind of a, of a look-see, if you will. So, thank you all very much. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.